0: As many of you know, we are in a vision series. This is our last week in that series. And we're talking about what it means to be together, engage, and become as a community. How do we do those things in real and tangible ways? This morning, I am simply giving the introduction. Jerusha will come in a little bit and give us a more tangible expression of what does it mean for us to be a people of becoming. If becoming is central to who we are, that is both a passive and an active thing. So this morning we want to engage in that idea a little bit. And central to that idea, for me, is one of what is considered the greatest sermons of all time. Uh, It is called the Sermon on the Mount. And many of you I know are familiar with this particular passage. Jesus has a moment of teaching. He's on a hillside. There's thousands of people there, and he gives the greatest talk of all time. And in it, it is jam-packed with things like the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. For theirs is the kingdom. He then, in the middle of that teaching, does this interesting thing where he reframes what it means to follow him. And he says, some of you have heard it said but I tell you. And he's reframing discipleship or what it means to follow God. So you make it about whether you murder, but I tell you it's about hate. Or you make it about adultery, but I tell you it's about lust. You make it about these things, but the truth is, it's about this. Then he also says things like, it's about my kingdom come and my will be done. He teaches us in that how to pray. He talks about loving God and loving neighbor. There's all of these themes. And then what is fascinating for me is that he ends with a story. He could have said anything in his talk at the end, but at the very end, he just wraps it up with a story. And he says, there was a wise man who built a house. And then there's also a foolish man who built a house, and one built it on the rock, and the other built it on the sand, and he begins to describe this story that is profound. It's the conclusion to the greatest talk ever given. And the more that I think about this story that captivates me, the more I'm convinced that since the time I was probably two, I've heard this story repeated probably on an annual basis throughout my elementary and junior high years. And then I heard it on a regular basis in the church, but I've probably never, ever heard anyone actually explain it. What does it mean to build your life on the rock, or what does it mean to build it on the sand? What is Jesus actually talking about? And what's fascinating about it is that I think Most of us with the educated guess would say, oh, I think what he's describing is that you build your life on Jesus and you build it on the rock, and he's the rock of the church and uh, of life. And so that's what you're supposed to do. But most often I hear it in terms of this, that you need to have a solid foundation for your life and for your faith. 100% agree. That solid foundation has to be rock solid, and that means you have to have the right set of beliefs. So correct orthodoxy, correct belief, right theology, that you have to like know a certain set of things, maybe the creeds of the church, what is most central to what we believe. And at that, if we know that, we can build everything on top of it. If you want to be a wise man, that's the way to be wise, is to know what you believe and to figure it out and to dial it in, and the foolish man doesn't. And then I read the verse. Matthew 7: "Everyone who then who or then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock." And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is his conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is doing is he's using the rock and the sand to describe the differences, but really to describe the outcomes. And the center of his teaching is this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. See, becoming is intimately linked to obedience Prager says this God demands right behavior more than anything else, including right ritual and right belief. Now, you've heard me say this before. I'll repeat it again. It is a fun little math problem. The math problem goes like this There are five birds on a wire, four birds decide to fly away. How many birds remain on the wire? Very simple, right? All five. And the reason is because just deciding to do something is far different than doing something. Just because you believe you should leave the wire doesn't mean that you actually go about leaving, that there's something profound about the step of action, of obedience, of following that makes the difference. James seems to echo this when he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like the man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The teaching is to say, do not merely listen to the word do what it says. This idea of to listen is probably one of the most important teachings in all of the scriptures. How do we know? Because of repetition. Over a thousand times in the Old Testament and over 400 times, I think like 425 times in the New Testament, this verb to listen, which is equal to obedience, is in the text. Over and over, telling us that the way that the Hebrew mind would understand this is that that listening and obedience are linked. That what I hear demands, in some way, a response. That I can listen, that listening brings knowledge, that knowledge then requires action. What we have done often in the church is to make knowledge theoretical. Meaning you could believe something, but actually it could have no impact on the way you live, the things you do, the way you interact with others. Because you could keep it theoretical. I believe that, I think that, I hold to that. But it does not translate into what I do about that. And this is what the scriptures is getting at. that You didn't know something in Hebrew culture until you actually did something. The two were so intimately connected. That this idea of becoming is an active participation with the Spirit. And the reason I bring this up this morning and the reason we wanted to highlight it is because it is with this idea in mind, this idea of becoming, this idea of following, of being caught up in the way of Jesus that has caused the staff and the elders over the last like six months or so to rework and reimagine our mission statement. We've had the same mission statement since like 2007. We tweaked it a little bit back then. It's probably been here for even longer than that. And uh, yet I don't think in many ways it captures the ethos of what we're aspiring to be. And so I want to share it real quick this morning. New community really is aspiring to be a place of becoming where together we're committed to extravagant welcome and engaging in the ongoing story of Jesus. Here's what I think is vital and I'll just say a few quick words about it. This idea is something we're aspiring to. We have not arrived at it. We will never arrive at it. It is something we're aspiring to and we're aspiring to be a place of becoming. And the reason we started with that is first and foremost, it doesn't matter what you believe It matters how you embody and live out what it is you believe, right? The beliefs are vital. What we follow is vital, but how we actually embody it and practice it, this way of becoming is so central to who we are. So new community is a place that's aspiring to be a place of becoming where together, this idea of community, we're committed to the extravagant welcome that anyone is welcome anytime, no matter who you are, that we want you to be comfortable in a community chasing after Jesus. And this last part that we're engaging in the ongoing story of Jesus, it is a story that never ends. It's a story that will never end. We just have some small sliver in it on the way to his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven we're going to shift into a time where we engage in worshiping and song. And this part of the talk was just the intro to remind you that this morning we're engaging in this idea of what it means to become. In a little bit, Jerusha's going to come and kind of speak more into this idea of what it looks like to become. God, may you work and move in us to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to aspire more and more every day to be a people that follows you. God, may we also aspire to be people who extravagantly welcome others. In the same way that you welcomed us to the table this morning, in the same way that you set aside our brokenness, you recognized us whole in Christ and invited us to participate in remembering you. May we welcome everyone in that same way. And God, may we always engage in your story. It's not our story. It is first and foremost and will always be your story that we participate in. So may you continue to shape us and mold us, both as individuals, as in a community, as we pursue you. May we, in these next few moments, continue to hear from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Emily, thank you for hearing the Spirit on that song, because, oh my goodness, I have been waking up to that song in my head for a couple weeks now, and um, for those of you who don't know, I teach at Whitworth, and we were back in person this year, this fall, and um, that is a hard transition, Um, and that song has like gotten me out of bed um, the idea that the goodness of God chases me down um, that uh, that I can bear witness to his faithfulness in my life um, all through my life, and uh on plenty of mornings when I am not feeling it um, that there is still um there is still a goodness that pursues me whether i I'm feeling it or not, that I can come around to it, right? Um, and that might be after my second cup of coffee. Um, it might not be at all that day, but that's okay. I'm not responsible for making the goodness of God chase me, right? Um, and so thank you for sharing that one this morning. Um, so uh, as Russ and I were talking about the becoming, uh, texting about the becoming and uh and he shared the passage that he was going to be speaking on. And I said, oh, I've, I've been working on something in Second Corinthians. And I don't know if it goes. And and he, I ran the verse by him. And he's like, I think those two go really well. I'm like, I'm glad you do. I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Um, but as Russ was speaking, I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a slightly awkward fit. But that's how we roll, right? Um, and so... Uh, The verse that I'm sharing from this morning uh, on this idea of becoming, um, I'm just going to say up front that becoming is a little bit intimidating because I can't help but hear the do more that comes with becoming. There is a sort of intrinsic, like, What can I do to be better at becoming, or to become, or to be growing, or to be doing the community thing better? And what can I? And there is a, I think a lot of us have that sort of just natural propensity to like, but I can, and what should it be? And I mean, I'd like to be becoming a little bit better, but I don't quite, right now, I don't feel that I'm becoming. and I think um, drawing a lesson from uh, a little girl, my little girl, um, who is one year old and is becoming a walker. Um, and she is not there yet. And she does the walking attempt. She'll like get out on things and then she like practices, you know, like she's got her little surf moved down and she's like trying to find her center of gravity or whatever that thing is, and um, she's becoming a walker, and there's this thing inside of her that compels her, right? She's already a climber, which is, you know, (laughs) exciting, Um, but she, she wants to be a walker, and she's becoming a walker, and it's this kind of awkward, like, most days, she just, it's what she ends up doing whether she even really wanted to or not, she just sort of ends up uh, working towards walking a little bit better. And, um, and I thought about the joy that she finds in figuring out how she can get a little bit further, a little bit faster. And her incentives are high, right? We have um, a lot going on in our house. We've got multiple dogs. We've got multiple cats. She has an older brother. Um, who has lots of friends who come running through the house. There's a lot of incentive for her to be mobile. And so I think that's a lot of it. But there's also this like intrinsic incentive um, for her to walk. There is something in her DNA that says, I got to get going. Even more than her brother when he was this age. um, I see this just sort of like, I got to get going. I got to go. And so as a as an adult, being a relatively sedentary kind of a person, I could sit with a book for like the better part of the day. To see her just kind of be like doing her constant like how do I move thing, I there's something there that I I kind of it resonated uh, with my spirit. So, um, so this verse Second Corinthians three, um, and here Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthians. He's addressed some things to the Corinthians. And this second go-around, he's commending them for the things that they are doing so well. Um, And he writes here in 2 Corinthians 2 through 8, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is with God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Now, I've got about five more minutes, so we're not going to dig in. There's so much here. There's so much here. But there was a word of encouragement that came as I read this, and I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. Writing is always personal whether you are handwriting, whether you are texting, whether you are sending a voice message, it is always this personal communication from one to another. That we know that a letter of recommendation is something that says there is confidence here, that there is a giving of um, endorsement, right? And Paul is identifying that the church has become a letter of recommendation, that they have become something that there's something written on their hearts that Paul can now identify as this is entirely by the Spirit of God, right? So there's this personal element to it, but as somebody who really loves uh, a little bit of literary structure, I want to highlight here right in the middle Um, that Paul is playing with the words, it's not stone, right? There's a kind of double meaning there. Because their hearts are not stone, because they've been given hearts of flesh. We can reference a different passage for that. But also, we know that the law was given on stone tablets. And so the letter of the law, which kills because it causes us to try to adhere to something that we can never adhere to that that law has now been replaced so that passage in James that Russ referenced is this idea that James is talking about the perfect law gives freedom so what is the perfect law it's not our adhering perfectly to the law let's hear this correctly this is a perfect law. And what is the perfect law? The perfect law is the spirit of God made manifest in each one of you. That becomes our DNA. It becomes a compelling, I got to move. I got to move. I got to try this thing. I got. The becoming is the spirit in us drawing out the becoming. The spirit of the ministry has glory. So, as a community, how do we step into becoming together? We call out that glory as we see it in one another. A new community, I see it. I see it in you. It was the hardest part of being away from you through COVID was Sunday morning when I walk in and I see your faces and whether I have relationship with you or I do not, I see the glory that God has placed in you that shines out of you. I see it in your struggle. I see it in your hope. I see it in the grace with which you usher your kids upstairs. I see it in the way that you serve. I see it in that tentative reaching out that says, hi, I'm new here. I see the glory, that glory of a God that has written into you of the coming that is now in our DNA. So my encouragement to us is the end of this chapter, verse 16 but, one when tur- but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From this comes, this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit is at work. The glory of the Lord is present among us, and we are becoming. And so let's call that out. Let's see it, look for it, call it out in one another, because it's our DNA. We cannot help but become. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we bless you for the ministry that you are at work in us in this place where we are gathered on this corner in this city among your people who know your name among your people who do not yet that you are moving and that in that moving that we are becoming may we with unveiled faces display that glory. May we see it. May we call it out in one another, and may we rest in the knowing that the becoming is entirely your work, and we get to participate, and we participate with deepest joy. You have incentivized our becoming in the sweetest way because it is already done speak to each one of our hearts individually this morning in the way that we need to hear from you and may we as a community live in the glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.